Welcome to Zikhu Dav Siman, Rabbi Ram Goldhai, and today we're Zikhu's Yuma, Dav Pei Beis, the 8th parak Yom Kippurim. So the three topics we're going to focus on, number one, the next Mishnah states, Hatinokas e ma'anin osam b'yom Kippurim, we do not afflict children on Yom Kippur, but we train them prior to a year or two years so they should be accustomed to fulfilling mitzvahs. Rashi explains that Lifnei Shana means before the year prior to Bar Mitzvah, in other words, two years, and Lifnei Shana means before two years prior to Bar Mitzvah, in other words, three years. The Gemara asks that if we train them prior to two years, what's the need to state that we train them prior to a year? The answer is, This ruling a prior to a year applies to a sickly child, whereas this ruling a prior to two years applies to a healthy child. The Gemara will present two different opinions as to the starting age for girls and boys to begin fasting. Pointing to the next Mishnah states, If a pregnant woman smelled food or drink and craved it on Yom Kippur, we feed it to her until she feels relieved. The Gemara brings a Bryce that teaches, If a pregnant woman smelled Kodesh meat or pork and craved it, we stick a spindle into the liquid of that meat and place it in her mouth. Rashi explains that she sucks on it. If she's not relieved, we feed her the liquid. If she's still not relieved, we feed her the very fat of the prohibited food. For there's nothing that stands in the way of saving a life other than the cardinal sins of Avodazora, illicit relations, or murder. And point number three, the Gemara proceeds to bring the sources that one must give up his life rather than commit one of the three cardinal sins. That one must give up his life rather than commit Avodazora is the one from the Pasuk that one should love Hashem with all of one's soul. That one must give up his life rather than commit illicit relations is taught in a Bryce where Rebbe brings a Pasuk concerning the rape of Anamarasa, a betrothed Nara. For like a man who rises up against his fellow and murders him, so is this thing. Rebbe explains that just as someone who is told that he must commit murder should allow himself to be killed and not transgress the prohibition against murder, so too in the case of Anamarasa, one must allow himself to be killed and not commit adultery. The lachna one must give up his life rather than commit murder is based on Svora, as shown in the case of a certain individual who told Rabbah that the governor of his town told him to kill so-and-so, and if he doesn't do so, then the governor will kill him. Rabbah said to him, let him kill you and do not kill anyone. My chazis For what do you see to assume that your blood is redder than that of the victim? Perhaps the blood of that man whom they want you to kill is redder than yours. So once again, the three points are number one. The next Mishnah states, Satinokas Eimaanin Osam B'Yom Kippurim We do not afflict children on Yom Kippur. But we train them prior to a year or two years so they should be accustomed to fulfilling mitzvahs. Rashi explains that Lifnei Shana means before the year prior to Bar Mitzvah, in other words, two years, and Lifnei Shana means before two years prior to Bar Mitzvah, in other words, three years. The Gemara asks that if we train them prior to two years, what is the need to state that we train them prior to a year? Rav Chisne answers, The ruling of prior to a year applies to a sickly child, whereas this ruling of prior to two years applies to a healthy child. The Gemara will present two different opinions as to the starting age for girls and boys to begin fasting. Point number two, the next Mishnah states, If a pregnant woman smelled food or drink and craved it on Yom Kippur, we feed it to her until she feels relieved. The Gemara brings a bright that teaches, if a pregnant woman smelled Kodesh meat or pork and craved it, we stick a spindle into the liquid of that meat and place it in her mouth. Rashi explains that she sucks on it. If she's not relieved, we feed her the liquid. If she's still not relieved, we feed her the very fat of the prohibited food. For there's nothing 
that stands in the way of saving life other than the cardinal sins of Avodah Zorah, illicit relations, or murder. And point number two, the Gemara proceeds to bring the sources that one must give up his life rather than commit one of the three cardinal sins. That one must give up his life rather than commit Avodah Zorah is learned from the Pasuk, that one should love Hashem B'chol Nafshecha with, with all of one's soul. That one must give up his life rather than commit illicit relations is taught in a Bryce where Rebbe brings a Pasuk concerning the rape of Anar Marasa, a betrothed Nara, Kikashir Yakum Ish, for like a man who rises up against his fellow and murders him, so is this thing. Rebbe explains that just as someone who is told that he must commit murder should allow himself to be killed and not transgress in prohibition against murder, so too in the case of Namarasa, one must allow himself to be killed and not commit adultery. The halakha that one must give up his life rather than commit murder is based on svara, as shown in the case of a certain individual who told Rabbi that the governor of his town told him to kill so-and-so. And if he doesn't do so, then the governor will kill him. Rabbi said to him, let him kill you and do not kill anyone. My For what do you see to assume that your blood is redder than that of the victim? Perhaps the blood of that man whom they wanted you to kill is redder than yours. All right, so now we go to simmer.pay base and the simon is a pub, a pub. So here goes. The pregnant mother who was training her young children to fasten Yom Kippur was so overcome with a craving from the wafting smell of chazer from the pub next door that she sucked on a juicy thin reed, relieved that she wasn't violating one of the three cardinal sins. Once again, in slow motion. The pregnant mother who was training her young children to fasten Yom Kippur was so overcome with a craving from the wafting smell of a chazer from the pub next door. Pub? That must be more enough. Pay base. The pregnant mother was training her young children to fasten Yom Kippur, which reminds Gomorrah discusses when to begin training children to fasten Yom Kippur, and that healthy children are trained a year earlier than sickly children. So, the pregnant mother who was training her young children to fasten Yom Kippur was so overcome with a craving from the wafting smell of a chazer from the pub next door that she sucked on a juicy thin reed, which reminds us of the discussion about feeding a pregnant woman with a craving, and that at first we try to relieve her craving by sticking a spindle into the liquid of the prohibited meat and placing it in her mouth to suck, and ultimately, if she can't be relieved by any means, we feed her the very fat of the prohibited food, for there's nothing that stands in the way of saving life other than the three cardinal sins of Avodazor, Ogili Arias, and Shvi So the pregnant mother who was training her young children to fasten Yom Kippur was to overcome with a craving from the wafting smell of chazer from the pub next door that she sucked on a juicy thin reed, relieved that she wasn't violating one of the three cardinal sins, which reminds us that Gomorrah proceeds to bring the sources that one must give up his life rather than commit one of the three cardinal sins, and that the halakha that one must give up his life rather than commit murder is based on the svora of my For what do you see to assume that your blood is redder than that of the victim? So once again, the pregnant mother who was training her young children to fasten Yom Kippur was so overcome with a craving from the wafting smell of a chazer from the pub next door that she sucked on a juicy thin reed, relieved that she wasn't violating one of the three Cardinal sins. All right, now it's time for four blot back chazora. Dafayin ches. So the simur dafayin ches is a child going ach. So here goes. The child sitting in the moist mud going ach. Child going ach. That must be one daf ein ches. The child sitting in the moist mud going ach while trying to cool himself down with a cold squash, which reminds us it's forbidden to sit on mud in Yom Kippur because the moistness of the mud affects a pleasure like washing. Rabbi Shubin Levi said, Batina matapachas, and the Bryce speaks of mud that oozes moisture, and Abai said, Batapayach al manaslat piach. And the Bryce speaks of mud that is moist to the degree that it can give whatever it touches the capacity to moisten something else. But you just said it's permitted to cool oneself down with fruits. So the child sitting in the moist mud going, ugh, 
or trying to cool himself down with a cold squash, got so upset when his sandals made of rush got dirty, which reminds us, it's permitted to wear non-leather shoes on Yom Kippur, such as rush, for when the Mishnah prohibited wearing shoes, it meant shoes in the halachic sense, such as leather shoes, but not footwear made of other material. So the child sitting in the moist mud going, ugh, or trying to cool himself down with a cold squash, got so upset when his sandals made of rush got dirty, they started breaking cracked. Clay Kaleen, which reminds us small children are permitted to engage in all the pleasures of prohibiting Yom Kippur except for wearing shoes. For the Rabban did not prohibit pleasures such as washing and anointing that are necessary for the child's development. For Abai said, his adopted mother told him that the development of a child requires bathing him in warm water and anointing him with oil. And when he grows a bit older, it requires breaking utensils so that the child can satisfy his impulses. This is in line with Rabba's practice of buying inexpensive cracked clay utensils for his sons to break. Daffine test. So the similar Daffine test is an eight, a pen, and we use a sofa using a quill. So here goes. This sofa who stuck a large date with a pit on the edge of his quill to put his mind at ease. Sofa with a quill. That must be on Daffine test. Eight. This sofa who stuck a large date with a pit on the edge of his quill to put his mind at ease, which reminds us, Rabbi said in Rabbi Yehuda that the large date mentioned in the Mishnah is larger than a kibetzah. And this unusual measure was established because it's been accepted by the Rabbanan that with this amount of food, one's mind is put at ease. But with less than this amount, one's mind is not at ease and he remains afflicted. So the sofa took a large date with a pit on the edge of his quill to put his mind at ease while eating two dates outside his sukkah, which reminds the more challenge Rabbi's assertion that a large date with its pit is larger than a kibetza based on the Mishnah and sukkah, where there's no chiv to eat two dates in the sukkah, but a kibetza must be eaten in the sukkah, implying a kibetza is even larger than the size of two dates. Rabbi Yirmi answered, saying two dates without their pits are not as large as a kibetza, but one large date with its pit is larger than a kibetza. And Rabbi said that the reason that eating two dates does not require sukkah is not because the meat of the dates is smaller than a kibetza, but because they are fruit, and fruit eaten in any volume is considered a snack, which does not require sukkah. So the sofa stuck a large date with a pit on the edge of his quilt to put his mind at ease while eating two dates outside a sukkah, wrote the words Vachalta Vesavata on the cover of a bencher in the shape of an egg. Which reminds Rav Z disagrees with Rav and says that the large date of which the Mishnah spoke is less than the equivalent of a kibetza. A proof is brought from a Mishnah Brachus where Rav Yudah says the words to teach that one must eat the amount that satisfies, which is a kibetza. If a kibetza satisfies, it certainly sets the mind at ease. So we conclude from here that a kosevis is smaller than kibetza, and while it sets the mind at ease, it doesn't satisfy. Daf pay. So the simmer daf pay is payday. Payday. So here goes. It was payday. Payday. That must be more on daf pay. It was payday for the painter who sold his work, depicting a tummy egg, which reminds us that Rabbi Yabo learned that the shir for Tumas Ochlin is a kabeza from the Pasuk, Mikol Ochel Shur Yechel, from any food that is eaten, which implies Ochel Shata Ochel Babasach is a food that you can eat in a single swallow. And the Chalmin determined, Ein Beis Abli Maxi Yosim Beis Tarnagolis, that the throat cannot hold more than the volume of a hen's egg at one time. So, it was payday for the painter who sold his work depicting a tummy egg balanced on a giant's nose who had a massive cheek full of liquid, which reminds us the sheer for drinking is my lugma, which is relative sheer to the size of a person because a person's mind is only put at ease with the size of his own cheek full, whereas the sheer of a kosevis for food is standard since one's mind is put at ease with it regardless of size, even for someone who's a giant like Ogmel Chabashan. So it was payday for the painter who sold his work depicting a tummy egg balanced on a giant's nose who had a massive cheek full of liquid and was holding a book titled How to Stop Overeating. Which reminds me, Shlaki said, that one who eats successfully in Yom Kippur is patr from cars. And Rashi explains that the Gemara is discussing a case where one who ate a filling meal immediately prior to the onset of Yom Kippur while satiated to the point of revulsion proceeded to eat on Yom Kippur night. Since the entire eating is in a chilagasa, he is patr. 
Daf Peov. So the Simon Daf Peov is a grandpa. So here goes. The grandpa, grandpa. That must be more than Daf Peov. The grandpa who was always grumpy when he only ate a chetzi shira of food with a chetzi shira of drink. Which reminds me of Chisit said the ton of our mission which stated is Rabbi Yeshua who holds that when it comes to tuma, if the degree of tuma is the same but not their shear, the items are not mitzarf. Rabbi Nachman said our mission can also be according to the Rabban who hold that items with different shearing of tuma do combine. In the case of tuma, the halacha concept of tuma in all its various degrees and measures is in the final analysis one and the same. But here, in the case of eating and drinking Yom Kippur, the liability is on account of putting the mind at ease, and the mind of one who ate and drank chetzi shiurim is not at ease. So the grandpa, who was always grumpy when he only ate a chetzi shir of food with a chetzi shir of drink, was ready to be mosi mechol al-kodesh, which reminds us that we reconcile the contradictory psukim of inisim esnav shosech and betishol kodesh, and you'll afflict yourselves on the ninth of the month with a pasuk be'erev in the evening, which implies that one begins fasting only from nightfall, that one begins fasting when it's still day of the ninth. From here we learn shemosif mechol al-kodesh, that we add from the weekday unto the holy, and we learn that we add from the weekday unto the holy upon its departure as well, from Erev ad Erev, from evening until evening. So the grandpa, who's always grumpy when he only ate a chetzi shira of food with a chetzi shira of drink, was ready to be Mosi Mokhal al Kodesh after eating like a king Erev Yom Kippur on the ninth. Which reminds us, Chiyabar Romadifti taught the Venisimus Namshosech and Betisha, and you shall afflict yourselves on the ninth of the month. It's coming to tell you, If one eats and drinks on the ninth, the Torah treats him as if he had fasted on the ninth and the tenth. All right, that concludes today's share. This is Rabbi Avram Golden Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.